Welcome to the People of Interest podcast. I'm here with Michelle Rodriguez. How are you doing, Michelle? Good. How are you, Yasu? I am doing well. And so I hear you are an expert in issues regarding pro-life and Israel relations. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but yes, I do know a lot, quite a bit. And I do presentations to community organizations to inform people about pro-life and pro-Israel. Awesome. Awesome. And these are some really important issues, especially um, yes. in, in our current state. Why don't we delve into the pro-life aspect of it yes. first? So why are you pro-life? What are some of the arguments that are involved with being pro-life? Yeah. So I think starting off with pro-life is probably starting actually with my story. Um, so my mom immigrated here um, when she was a teenager and she started college, met my dad and had an unplanned pregnancy. Uh, <laughs> she found, you know, the joys of partying college. And <laughs> unfortunately, um, that also led to bad decisions. But with some of those bad decisions, I came about and my mom actually, um, you know, she got pregnant when she was 19. Um, she actually hid me for nine months. Um, so she was so scared scared to tell my grandparents and she literally like no one knew that I was a being <laughs> made in her stomach I would say until like the day of when she was in labor uh, my great aunt had brought her to the hospital uh, thinking she had appendicitis because she had some serious stomach issues and when they went to the ER it turns out she's actually in labor and not anything to do with her uh, appendix and yeah, and so with that story, I just really um, am grateful that my mom chose life. I mean, obviously, abortion was already legal at that time. She could have had an abortion. She was over 18. I mean, no one knew that I was even in her stomach for nine months. Um, and it could have been this like, oh, I made a mistake. I think I'll get an abortion and no one would ever know. But I'm so grateful that my mom chose life and that I'm here today, obviously, to advocate for other um, children, other babies, and advocate also for um, moms as well, because you not only love the baby, but you love their mom to choose life. And yeah, I mean, obviously, the pro-life or the life issue is definitely a hot topic in our society today. I mean, I feel like people are, you know, have this idea of what pro-life is or what pro-choice is. And I feel like in this time, culture is teaching women that, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's nothing. It's just, you know, fetus. It's just a clump of cells. And, you know, you just get rid of this clump of cells. Uh, but that's not true. And it's also not scientifically true as well. A baby, you could start hearing their heartbeats um, after three weeks of conception. Um, you could start seeing brain waves at six weeks, uh, six to seven weeks, I believe. Um, literally within the tri first trimester, a uh, baby starts sucking their thumb. And yeah, and usually people are like, oh, it's just the first trimester where you can have an abortion. But really, it's a life. Yeah, in a mother's womb. And um, also as a believer in Christ, like, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, God creates everyone uniquely and everyone has a purpose and a plan no matter how they came about, no matter, you know, what their parents did, that God has a purpose for your life and that, yeah, you should be given that chance to live out that purpose. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are people who have these stories um, and yeah. various circumstances of when society would tell the mother that it does make sense to have an abortion yes. and you won't be able to provide for the child or yes. horrific circumstances resulted in the pregnancy right. of a woman. For those who don't have that personal story of I was in that position either as the baby in the womb or the mother who ended up keeping the baby, how do you get people who don't have that emotional attachment or that 
story to understand the side of pro-life and why it's important to really be on that side. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we also have to kind of take a bigger picture at who exactly are the women that they're targeting to get abortions. A lot of the times the women that are targeted are uh, women who are socially, economically dis disadvantaged, right? Or minority women. Um, I think in 19... I'm sorry, in 2015, there was a report to Congress that found that 79% of Planned Parenthood's surgical abortion clinics were found in walking distance in minority communities. Um, if you want to talk about like who these women are, it's women that are specifically targeted are, again, women that are minority, women that are socially, economically disadvantaged. And this idea that like, if you don't have the money, school, if you're not done with school yet, if you don't have the means that you shouldn't be having this child, but that's not true, right? Because in the end of the day, like a baby is a blessing and a baby, like no matter where they're born or, you know, whatever their ethnicity is, whatever their culture is, whether they're born in poverty or well off, they have a right to live. They have a right to live out what God has called them to live out. Also, another thing is maybe if they notice that the baby in the womb is going to have a disability, right? Yeah. It's this idea of like, oh, this person is physically disadvantaged, therefore they don't have a right to live. I mean, that's horrible. Um, we know that there are people out there who are physically disadvantaged, but live out their life and live it well and even make history. I mean, I think of Helen Keller and like all these just amazing people um, who prove people wrong and saying that, no, it's not based on your disadvantages. It's a, what like what you make life out of. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I'm a firm believer that like God has a special calling for everyone. And no matter if you're physically disadvantaged, if you're economically disadvantaged, if whatever you know disadvantages you have, he has a purpose for your life and it's uniquely for you. Yeah, absolutely. And especially on college campuses, you know, what pro-life organizations typically do, or at least what I've seen yeah. is they bring out pictures of first trimester, second yes. trimester and third trimester abortion so that college students can see what they look like. Yeah. And often a lot of college students who are, in their opinion, pro-choice yeah. um, and do advocate for abortion will be disgusted by these pictures yeah. um, and will turn away from them. And it's really sort of an interesting situation that you're advocating for something that you also can't face yes. eye to eye. Yes. Um, can you speak more towards that? Yeah. I mean, in the end of the day, I think in any situation where I feel you are you're creating a situation where you're dehumanizing a person right and you know I feel like the pro-choice movement you know they use these terms like fetus or like it's just a clump of cells um, it's not you know a human being but when you actually see the pictures of what comes out of the womb when babies are aborted I mean they have heads they have eyes they have hands and feet um, they had a heartbeat you know, they had a brain. They can't basically face this idea of what I was taught is just that it's just a fetus. It's just a clump of cells. It's like taking off your appendix, right? It's a yeah. part of the woman's body, but that's not true. Mm. Um, what's interesting is scientifically proven is that once a baby is conceived in the mother's womb, it has a separate DNA from the mom. It has a separate heartbeat from the mom. It has a separate brain from the mom. It's a separate human being. Obviously it does need the mom to form, right? It uses her body to form but it's a separate human being that's being formed in her womb and I think this idea that oh like yeah it's just a clump of cells but when they see these pictures like you said in, in uh, college campuses they can't see it or they get angry right because they're finally facing the truth of that no it's not just a clump of cells it's actually a human being it's a baby 
I mean, an appendix, you know, or a part of your body is not going to have a separate DNA. And again, one of the things we like to say is pro-life is pro-science. I mean, if you look at any biology book, it will let you know, like a heartbeat begins 105 days after conception, the brain starts to begin forming. But it's really interesting too, is because I think as a society, we've almost excused abortion saying, well, it's just a first trimester, right? Like, oh yeah, I, I don't believe in like someone having an abortion at like eight months or nine months, which by the way, is actually legal in some states right now, like New York and New Mexico, where a woman can have an abortion up to nine months. That should really, really rock people's works. Someone who is nine months pregnant can go to an abortion clinics in certain states and say, hey, I've decided I don't want this baby. And by the way, a baby can function five months, you know, at six months, like at least science at this point can save babies from, you know, the womb if they have to like take out that baby because the mom's sick or that baby's not going to live, but they can actually start living because of the science we have today starting like five, six months. But there are some states now that you can have an abortion at nine months and it's really disturbing. But also I just wanted to touch back in that the fact that most of a human being is being made that first trimester. And there's this idea of like, oh, it's just a first trimester. It's like a glop. And it's like, actually, it's not. The first trimester, there is a form of a baby in there already. And something I always like to say is if you've never watched this uh, movie, which is so, so good, it's called Unplanned. It was released a couple years ago, but it's a story about Abby Johnson, who actually was a former director of Planned Parenthood. And she was pro-choice until one day, you you know, she's seeing a baby fight for its life from the abortionist trying to stay away from the contraptions that they're putting in to suck out the baby basically and she's like whoa 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 that is a baby fighting in the womb to stop from being sucked out from what the abortion doctor was trying to do yeah, I mean, it's it's just really interesting. I think um, if people really knew what happened during an abortion, I mean, I think you'd have to rethink things. One of the things I do in my presentations, I actually show a video of what happens during an abortion. And there's a lot of great videos that Live Action, which is a great organization for pro-life that shows former abortion doctors who are no longer pro-choice show like this is what happens. And it, when you see it, it's not only obviously heartbreaking, but honestly, it's very violent. Mm. And a lot of the times these doctors will tell you that there are these babies that are fighting against what's happening again because it's a living human being right the kind of the procedures of abortion is really violent i mean they literally have to tear limbs apart right because if a baby's too big and then they have to count the body part and make sure the whole body is there and it's just really one of those things that if you knew this i mean would you even consider doing this to your child would mm -hmm. you promote it to your friend because it is a very violent procedure not only for the baby for for the mom right because you know sometimes even the first semester when they give them um, the abortion pill a lot of the times the pill removes the baby obviously and it's a, at this point it's obviously really small but then mm -hmm. it comes out in the toilet and you see it it's not you know a blob of like blood like what people usually think it's actually because at that point your baby's pretty much forming so yeah i mean i think people need to know not only that abortion is obviously a very violent procedure but by showing those pictures pro-lifers want you to see like hey like this is a living thing that you're killing in the womb and just because you can't see it it doesn't mean that it's not alive. 
and nine months, the baby is basically fully formed yes. and is, you know, ready for labor at, at any time. And really, there's no excuse. I think life starts at conception. The fact that there are some states now that are allowing nine-month abortion is really one of the most, I think, sickening things. And really, there's no excuse to an abortion. I mean, if you really didn't want it, you should I'll just allow it to be removed from you, C-section or, you know, and then have it adopted. But for you to go through it an abortion at nine months is really horrific. Yeah, absolutely. One of the main arguments I typically hear is that uh, if someone is of low socioeconomic status and they have that baby, then how are they going to afford taking yes. care of that baby? And number one, a life should never be taken out of convenience. Yes. Um, if it's just inconvenient for someone to have a child, yes. um, they shouldn't just kill it. Life is above convenience. Yes. And second of all, what does that say towards the value of people who are poor? If this child yes. comes into the world and they are under the poverty line, right. are they of less value than someone who is making six figures yes. or yes. is part of a very wealthy family? Yeah. And and that's part of the argument that isn't really addressed is that just because someone is poor doesn't mean that they are of less value. Right. So a couple of things I actually too wanted to bring up about um, this idea of like, oh, if you are so poor and you can't afford a baby, therefore you shouldn't have a baby even if you're pregnant. If you talk about Planned Parenthood and how it was started, I mean, um, Margaret Sanger was a very vocal eugenist who started Planned Parenthood. And not only was she a very vocal eugenist, right? In 1926, spoke at a KKK rally. And then in 1936, people don't even really know this, but she actually had this project in which she went to sought out the African-American community in the United States to talk about abortion and birth control. Why was her target minority communities. A lot of it is because she was a racist, right? I literally was recently on their website and because of a lot of things that have been brought up about racism in the last year and systematic racism and all these different things, they've had to kind of confront the fact that Margaret Stanger was a part of, you know, speaking at KKK rallies. And it's funny because on their website right now, they address this issue, but it's so interesting because the way they addressed it, it was like, well, it's because Margaret Stanger was just so passionate about birth control and women's rights that she was willing to go anywhere to speak, even at a KKK rally at the height of the KKK power, right? You know, <laughs> like I'm reading this at the website, literally right now you go at their website, this is what they say. And you're just like, this has got to be crazy. You know, I'm surprised no one has brought this in the open and saying, hey, you're, you're somewhat trying to like make it okay or cover it up. That is not okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and not only that, I mean, she wrote, oh, I mean, she wrote a lot of articles basically letting everyone know that she was a eugenist, that if you had a physical defect or if you weren't part of what was considered the right skin color, the right, you know, socioeconomic place, like you're basically, you shouldn't have a life. It's basically her, her stance. But anyways, um, people just need to recognize that abortion really does target a lot of the vulnerable communities, specifically the minority community. And isn't it interesting that Margaret Sanger, being the founder of Planned Parenthood, going to KKK rallies to speak, targeting minority communities. Now Planned Parenthood is, like I said, 79% um, of those abortion clinics are found in minority communities. Mm -hmm. And now actually statistically, um, African-Americans are five times more likely to get aborted in the United States today. And in fact, um, in New York City right now, as we speak, uh, black babies more likely to be aborted than born. So there are more black babies being aborted than born in New York City today. And it, 
like that is really horrible, yeah. right? I mean, that is just what abortion has targeted these certain communities. And yeah, I mean, people don't want to talk about these things, but it should be known and people should know it. Interesting enough is, you know, obviously we're from the DMV and actually the Virginia governor who, interesting enough, right, a couple, was it, I think two or three years ago, was found in his uh, medical school yearbook to dress up as blackface. Isn't that interesting, right? <laughs> the same the same guy who was found in his yearbook with this picture was also the same guy who recently went on, on a radio station saying like, you know, if the mom is considering abortion and didn't get to, but the baby was born, it's between the doctor and the mother to discuss what they should do with the baby while the baby's put aside until they decide what to do with a baby it's like what do you mean like the baby's alive on the side give it up to the doctors give it up to the nurse give it up to an adoption agency obviously for me i believe that you are killing the child whether it's in the womb or outside but the fact that we're in a place now that not only is abortion allowed up to nine months but now they're considering oh even after the baby is born and you know what's really sad is there was actually recent legislation called the born alive um, act that went to congress i think it was two or three years ago now um, which basically just states that hey if in an abortion the baby comes out alive if it is crying and this has happened right because there are abortion survivors if a baby does come come out alive and it's crying and it's in need obviously of medical help that an abortion doctor legally have to give this baby up to the nearest county hospital to get you know whatever medical needs it needs to get but can you imagine that this legislation did not pass and that it was voted down i mean and you just think about this is this is not this is a legislation that didn't say we're stopping abortion it had nothing. It literally was a simple bill. There was nothing attached to it. It was just basically stating like, if a baby comes out alive, you are held accountable. You can't just leave it just to die. You have to give it to a hospital to get medical help, especially if it's crying. But the fact that this legislation cannot even pass, I mean, shows kind of where we are as a society, which also leads me to talk about also like, I mean, where we are as a society, right? I think one of the things that led me to do these presentations specifically for college students and high school students is because there is this culture that's being created through TikTok and Instagram and social media, right? One of like uh, the viral TikTok videos was a teenager going to get an abortion saying like, oh, you know, she went to school today. She's going to get her abortion now. And then after her and her mom are going to go shopping. And it's like the fact that this is being perpetuated in society, like this is normal. It's just like, oh, it's like it's an appointment in between school and going shopping. I mean, the fact that honestly, like you read Teen Vogue these days and they have articles about how to have an abortion without telling your parents as a teenager. I mean, that should really like bother you as a parent, whether you support abortion or not. The fact that your child is going to go get a surgical procedure without even you knowing. I mean, obviously there are people who've died getting abortions. The fact that there's articles in Teen Vogue and that we live in that kind of society. Even the fact that like, you know, recently, um, was it in 2019 when Governor Como in New York signed one of the most advanced quote unquote reproductive bills, making abortion legal up to nine months and then lighting up the Empire State Building pink to celebrate that. I think in all these instances, it's this idea of celebrating death. And so one of the things I want to do is like, no, like we need to celebrate life, but we also need to show that this is life, right? And that, you know, no matter where that baby comes from or was born, that they deserve to live. They deserve to be given the chance to live, right? Even if it was a mistake. And I think of my own life, right? Like, obviously, my mom made wrong choices in college as a freshman. 
And it led to an unplanned pregnancy. But I'm so grateful that despite, you know, the wrong choices she made, she decided that my life was valuable and that I get to live it out. And what was really cool, too, is for a few years, I actually worked with young mothers who were uh, high school and college who had kids or were pregnant. And I got to work with them and help them get uh, scholarships for college, get them help and resources that they need. And I always like during those moments, always thought like, wow, like it's so cool because my mom chose life. I get to pay it forward and help these young moms who are choosing life but need help, whether it's getting them connected to financial resources, getting them connected to um, a scholarship to go to college, letting them know just because you have a kid, it doesn't stop you from going after your dreams. So you can still go after it. Yes, it's going to be harder, but instead of using it as like, oh, this is going to be a burden, but no, this is inspiration for you to do better, that you have a little one cheering you on to support these young women to go for their dreams and to praise them for choosing life um, and to let them know that, you know, they made the right choice and their, their life matters as well. And that we're not only wanting to help them with diapers, but we want to help them with their college absolutely human life is a human life yes and you touched on this a little bit there are survivors of abortion these people exist we can't hide them right yes saying that abortion should still be legalized even at the point of nine months isn't that basically saying to these people who survived this act that they should have never existed pretty much right again looking back at like the whole basis of one of the biggest uh, abortion providers in in the united states planned parenthood right Um, margaret sanger was a eugenist it's this idea of like only certain people are allowed to live based on if you have um, the right genes or, you know, you were born out of the right circumstances, right? But I, as a believer in Christ, believe that no, no matter what circumstances you were born, that you have a purpose that God has called you uniquely for. And yes, not everyone obviously is born with two parent households or is born with a house or anything like that, but it doesn't lessen the value of your life. You can go after the dreams that you have. You have specific talents that God has given you specifically to live out and yeah and I mean when I think abortion I think it's this idea of there are 63 million people that are eliminated because of abortion since 1973 when Roe versus Wade has passed that are not with us right that have different unique skills and gifts that God has given them that they're not able to use because they're not here and you know it's interesting too I was looking recently at statistics that Gen Z um, is missing one-fourth of their population because of abortion wow one-fourth wow Wow, I did not see that statistic, but that's that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like Roe versus Wade obviously was the legislation that legalized abortion in the United States in 1973. But what was really interesting enough is also 1973 was legislation protecting um, animals and endangered uh, species, right? It's so interesting because right now it's against federal law for you to, you know, if there's a sea turtle that is endangered, if you somehow kill them or their children, it's against the law. And this was passed in 1973, but at the same year in 1973, Roe versus Wade was passed saying that you can kill children at the womb. I find it so peculiar. Like we have more protective laws for endangered species or for animals and their, their children than we have for human beings at the womb. And it just, again, it's this idea of like, like how far we've come as a society that that's now normal 
right? Yeah. And it's not, and yeah. it should never be normal. And that's one of the things why I'm so passionate about bringing information to you know college students and high school students so that they know. Because a lot of the times what culture will teach them, right, is that, oh, abortion is nothing, it's normal. But it's absolutely not normal. And again, bringing that culture of life, that life is valuable, no matter where you come from, no matter where your parents come from, no matter if you come from a very impoverished background or not, like your life is, is valuable. Absolutely. And let's circle back with Planned Parenthood. Yeah. You know, as we know, Planned Parenthood commits the most abortions in yes. the United States by far. Yes. I think statistically from 2011 to 2019, they've performed 2.9 million abortions. Wow. 2.9 million babies have been aborted by Planned Parenthood alone. It within insane. those years, 2011 to 2019, so the last decade. And I just want to make it clear, um, they have a nonprofit status, but they're a $1.6 billion company. Isn't that interesting? That's very, very interesting. And our tax dollars go to Planned Parenthood. Yes, and probably more so, more than ever. And now they're considering actually removing the Hyde Amendment. And the Hyde Amendment is actually what stops federal dollars from going to Planned Parenthood. But recently, the Biden administration has made it clear that they're thinking about repealing that, which is insane, um, because no matter if the president was a Democrat or Republican, the Hyde Amendment was pretty much kind of a law that people agree that, okay, you know, people don't want federal taxes to go to abortion. And now the fact that that's on the table is another reason why I'm like, okay, people need to know what actually happens in abortion. Like now that your tax dollars are going to this should alarm people, especially if you obviously don't support it. But even if you don't, your tax dollars are going to a situation where obviously a woman is killing their baby in the womb, but also instead of having those tax dollars go to having them choose life and like, how can we help you go to college? How can we help you pay your rent while you're pregnant, right? Like, Yeah, we may need to have you back for a part two to talk about Israel relations yes. <laughs> because uh, you know this podcast episode might yes. be two hours three yeah. hours long. yes what yes. are some of their strategies to reach out to young women young teenagers to encourage them to think that abortion is normal and nothing to be concerned about yeah I mean what's really sad first of all is they first tell them like oh you know don't worry like it's just like, you know, it's like having your period. We'll give you this pill and blood's going to come out. You know, but what's sad too is that there are people who've died, right, from taking the abortion pill or going through abortion uh, procedures. And also, I mean, if you think about, they're a billion-dollar company. I mean, and, you know, I was talking about Teen Vogue, right, and getting these articles about how you can have an abortion as a teenager, you know, and like, or how to have an abortion without telling your uh, parents. And they go to schools and they go to um, neighborhoods and you see their ads. And it's funny because when you do see their ads, it's interesting that a lot of their ads target, right? A lot of them are minority women in these ads. Wow, isn't that interesting, right? Not only are abortion clinics mostly found in minority neighborhoods, but their ads really target them. And here's another thing I wanted to point out as well. Isn't it interesting that in what's considered white neighborhoods, there are more fertility centers in white neighborhoods, whereas there's more abortion clinics in minority neighborhoods. That's very interesting. Isn't that interesting, yes. right? And it just shows, right? Like, And it's funny because like, I feel like a society, everyone's talking about like systematic racism, but no one's bringing up the abortion issue. 
why is that? You know, why don't people talk about that? It's because this culture now that we have that it's saying like, oh, abortion is nothing. It's, you know, it's not that big of a deal, right? And I think even if you look at when Roe versus Wade was passed in 1973, which by the way, something people don't really know is, um, you know, Jane Roe, who was the woman that they used in this case to pass Roe versus Wade, she never had an abortion. And in fact, this case was actually based on a lie. Her and her attorneys created this lie saying like, oh, she was raped, therefore she needed an abortion, and that's why you should legalize abortion. But that was never true. She was actually never raped. And what's interesting about Roe versus Wade is that A, she never had the abortion. That child that she was pregnant with, um, she gave it up for adoption. Her real name is actually Norma McCovey, and she eventually would become a pro-life advocate. And she wanted to overturn Roe versus Wade because she realized basically they had used her. They had made her her tell a lie and they had used her to pass this with obviously very dire consequences for a lot of babies right yeah, millions and, and 63 million to be exact and this case itself is based on a lie and it's so interesting because another argument like pro-choice people like to say is like oh it's it should never be a man's decision right it's a woman's decision it's her body which is really interesting because when Roe versus Wade was passed it was all men that decided right because it was all men in the Supreme Court at that mm. time and I also just want to point out that it's not just women being hurt by abortion it's also men and I think people tend to have this thing of like oh you know like they don't have to carry the pregnancy therefore they're not part of this conversation and that's absolutely not true because it takes two to tango to make to make that pregnancy right um, and what's really interesting too is that for men it's found that uh, men who've had their wives or their girlfriend who's had an abortion they're found to have uh, PTSD like four out of ten of them so it affects them in a mental like mental health situation and which also leads me to my next point too is that women who've experienced abortion the British Journal of Psychiatry uh, in 2011 found that 81% of them deal with mental health challenges right so one of the things I always like to say like I never like to judge women even if they've had an abortion like I want them to get help I know that there's a high chance that they're experiencing a lot of mental health issues because of it because it's such a it is a violent procedure in so many ways and there's a lot of organizations out there that are actually Christian that help women even after abortion and yeah and I think for me my heart's always like even if they've had an abortion like how can we help them get the healing and forgiveness that they need to they can walk out and for me as a Christian it's like getting that forgiveness through Christ right and there's a lot of like Christian organizations out there as well that are really great that help women walk mm -hmm. um, it out like you have project rachel you have surrendering the secret because they're women who maybe had an abortion in secret but never told anyone and they carry that burden so helping them get the tools that they need to walk out getting the forgiveness they need for themselves and knowing that there is forgiveness in Christ even after having an abortion. So yeah, I mean, one of the things I do literally when I give this presentation is I always want to make it clear that like if you're a woman who's had an abortion or if you, or if you know someone has an abortion, like this is in no way to condemn you. But um, two things I want you to know is number one, that there is forgiveness in Christ and there's healing in Christ. And number two, like there is help out there for you. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of organizations that would like to help you walk it out. Yeah, and I believe, you know, abortion hits the most fundamental question in our society, which is, what is the value of life? Yes. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we are starting to live in a society, like, where it degrades life in general. But like you said, like, now it's like, oh, like, you can have sex whenever you want, whenever, right? Like, 
they give condoms in high school. It's not a valued thing anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you watch m- movies these days, it's like, oh, it's nothing, right? And again, it's the whole idea of minimizing the value of it. And um, as Christians, we know that obviously sex is a gift from God that he gives to people that are married, right? Because he has a value that he gives to specifically married people. But now we live in a society that's like, oh, no, you don't have to be married. You can have multiple partners, right? There's a devaluing of just life in general. And then what happens is now if now if you're pregnant and because you didn't want to take birth control like oh there's quote-unquote another birth control and it's eliminating a baby and again like as christians as believers if we don't speak up truth now like at the rate we're going as a society is honestly really scary even when roe versus wade was passed in 1973 abortion was considered like oh it's absolutely enlist there's no other route you know like this idea like it was like you know, it's a sad, even, I mean, even in the nineties, I mean, I remember president Clinton even saying like, it's the hardest decision a woman should make. It's, it's never one that's easy. Where now it's like on TikTok, like, oh, you know, you go to school today and you have an abortion and then you go shopping, you know, like, or it's articles on Teen Vogue or yeah. it's this idea of um, even signs, right? Like abortion on demand. There's like no gravity as to what you're doing when you have, you know, when you're doing an abortion. And also it's again, this culture of death, right? Right? This culture of honestly anti-Christian uh, values mm-hmm. of like you can have sex whenever you want. You there are no consequences. You know you're a woman that's empowered if you get to choose what to do with your body. And by the way, I believe you should choose what you do with your body, but the, the baby has a separate body. Yes, yeah, not it's, at it's, the expense it's, yeah, of another life. Yeah, it's just yeah, like you could choose whatever you want. To. I yes. believe that. Like I believe God gives us free will, and you can choose to do whatever you want with it, right? But the thing is, not at the expense of someone else. And yeah, so yeah, one of the things. I've been doing recently in my heart is basically to inform people like, hey, what does science say about life? What does God say? Um, What actually happens during an abortion? Why are minority women specifically targeted, right? Giving them this information so women are equipped or our young people are equipped to know society's telling me this, but actually this is the truth. So yeah, so I hope that people that hear this or people that attend my presentations would basically just begin to see just kind of the truth and uh, see God's heart also behind the issue of abortion. So what can people do about this? Yes, I'm so glad you asked that question, actually, um, because I think, especially as believers in Christ, I really think that this issue, that we should really be at the forefront of it and not be afraid. But there's a lot of ways that people can get plugged in. And I know people are at different places, and sometimes God calls us to different things, you know? But, I mean, literally simple as, like, donating a box of diapers to your pregnancy center once a year goes a long way. And I know this because I've worked with young women who I would have to find resources such as diapers or clothing and I go to these pregnancy centers getting these diapers giving it to these women and it goes a very long way or maybe it's helping a young woman you know who is pregnant maybe it's a friend you know like and letting her know hey there are pregnancy centers in this community that can help you out that can provide you with counseling that can provide you with resources to help them choose life or maybe it's some people, I know a lot of pro-lifers, they go out of um, outside abortion uh, clinics and they pray and they provide pamphlets to women. So as they're going to Planned Parenthood, they'll get pamphlets of like, you know, hey, there's other resources other than Planned Parenthood, you know? And obviously, you have to, I think I'm always like, oh, you have to be really bold to do that, right? But yeah. again, like, or even just as simple as following these uh, pro-life organizations on your Instagram and your social media and just supporting them in that small way to let them know that there are people who 
find this issue um, important and that there's support behind them. Or maybe it's donating to these organizations like Live Action or Project Rachel or Surrender to Secret or Options Online. And by the way, there's actually um, a 1-800 number nationwide that's 24-7 for any woman that's pregnant that's thinking of abortion that they can call this number, which I don't have it right here, <laughs> but it's it's under Options. You can check it out online. And basically, it's a line that you can call that women can call if they're pregnant and they can talk to a counselor and discuss you know other options other than abortion whether it's a if it's adoption or if it's providing them with just help that they need those are just some of the ways that people can get plugged in but really guys honestly it's as simple as when you're scrolling on your instagram and you just follow a lot of the pro-life organizations i mean it's as simple as that thank you so much michelle yes. for all the very insightful information thank you provided you for having me. absolutely again we'll have to have you back for part two yes. it's such a delight to have you on the show thank you thanks yasu Listeners can get in touch with the Pregnancy Resource Center at 800-712-HELP or send a text to 313131 to chat with someone right now who can help 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Thank you for listening to the People Ventures podcast. If you haven't done so, click on that subscribe button or leave a rating or review. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or our new website at poipodcast.org.